Hello, everyone. Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your co-host, Amon Kusro, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jonathan Davis. How's it going, Jonathan? Going good. What have you been up to in the realm of Underworlds? Well, I have been playing Godsworn. I uh, was fiddling around with them a little bit, and then I took the opportunity to go down to Houston because a certain Houston player was not going to be there and played in a tournament down there. <laughs> oh, yeah? How'd that go? Um, it went pretty good, in my actually. city. Yeah, I went to your city. <laughs> um, it went pretty good. I, I actually hadn't played them since the new cars were released. So when I um, put the deck together, I added in some cards like Calculated Risk and um the other one i used was branching fate and i actually made a couple mistakes like i put in um dashed hopes which is kill somebody that's inspired but i thought it was a score immediately <laughs> and it's oh not. yeah it's an it's end not. phase it should be <laughs> right like the way it yeah the way yeah. it's uh it's worded but yeah i mean it definitely says in the end phase but it was funny i was putting the deck together and i was like why have I never used this card before? This is great. And then like in the middle of my game, I looked at it and I was like, in the end phase. And I was like, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you don't put a deck together at like the day before the event. (laughs) Hey man, I've uh, put some decks together the day of. And so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So how was branching fate? You said, is that the one where you roll three different uh, results on three dice? Correct, yeah. Um, you scored immediately one glory if you roll three or more dice in an attack or defense roll, and they're all a different symbol. Um, and I actually really like this card on Godsworn and um, Farstriders, because you haven't... Uh, for Farstriders, they're all just three dice attacks, pretty much, except they're melees. And then for the Godsworn, most of them go to three when they inspire, um, and then I also have a number of other cards in there that give me extra dice, like Path to Glory, which is our favorite card. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Challenge Seeker. Um, and those those might be it, but just really between those two and then everybody except Fedra and Grundon having um, access to a three-dice attack, um, I found it very easy to score. Um, there were some games when as soon as I charged in with Jagathrow with the Javelin, I would just score it. Um, the, so it's, it's consistent. Um, I mean, it's not something you can plan for necessarily, but it, the, the math on it is about a 45% chance. So if you're doing a lot of attacks, which Godsworn do, um, you can assume that you'll score it by the end of the turn, most of the time. I didn't um, realize it was that high. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, the more dice you add, the worse it gets. So sometimes if you put one of those upgrades on, like, Allo or Shond, then it actually lowers your chances. But uh, generally, I found it pretty easy to score. Um, and the, the other nice thing about it is that you, this attack doesn't have to be successful. So it's kind of like a consolation prize sometimes, because a lot of the time when you do roll three different symbols, the attack actually fails, because it'll be like two supports and a hammer or something because most of their attacks are swords um so either the attack goes through and you like that or you fail and you know sometimes you score branch of fate so so far i i'm going to take it in every deck that 
you know has multiple uh, three dice attacks. I may actually like it better than um, Miraculous Escape, just because. That's, but, that's really interesting. The two new warbands, the trees and the dwarves, don't have a ton of three dice attacks. So I've noticed that Miraculous Escape isn't as good as it used to be because of that. But. Yeah, they, most of the um, the Karajan overlords or the profiteers are hitting on two swords, or two fury or two smash, whereas yeah. the elves are... Actually, they're quite similar as well, the guardians, so... Yeah. Yeah, most of it is two smash or uh, two focus. So that I just sort of took it out for that because I've expected that I'm going to see a lot of those in the next couple of events. Uh, right. The event went well, though. I played against uh, Steelhearts, and that was interesting. Um, then I played against Cursebreakers. We had two really close games where we each um, won one game, and then I had a crazy game where I charged in with Jagathra, got change of tactics, went through a lethal hex, got calculated risk, hit with the javelin, knocked Amos into a lethal hex, Played trap to kill her. Oh wow! And then, <laughs> so that was just the second activation after going on guard for the first one. And then I think Cursebreaker moved up, and I played hidden paths uh, and great strength on Thedra and just one shot him. And then Rastus charged Thedra and failed, and Thedra killed Rastus. <laughs> so it was four activations, oh, and they were just all dead. So That's... that game was was nuts. You literally were on the path to glory in that one. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> they, they were, and then I played against the uh, Profiteers and had all, basically the opposite. Was this in, the, this in the third round? This is the final? Yeah, yeah this was in the, the final round. And um, that one did not go as nearly as well. What I found is in that matchup, the way that they inspire and get more health sort of counters the way that I inspire and do more damage if that makes sense um <clears throat> so it's very difficult to get through them and then so they took the first game and then uh the second game it was really really strange because i think both of us missed about six attacks in a row for the first two phases which i've just never seen that happen with godsworn because like they're made of paper right <laughs> but the dice had abandoned us both then basically what happened is we killed a couple people on either side. We each had about seven glory, which is really low for either of these factions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then we tied, and I happened to be on an objective. So I took that match. But then in the last one, I ran into a kind of a strange situation with that's sort of unique to Godsworn is I drew five ploys, um, or gambits, rather. I had oh, that's the opposite there. of my luck. I know, but it's actually almost as bad as what I found <laughs> because, yes, I can go in with somebody and you know use a couple uh, gambits to get a kill, like because I had trap, like there were good gambits. So I had trap, I had spear of uh, a qui or whatever the actually damage. actually yeah I had that one in there, and um, like so they were great, and I was like man I can't throw these away, but then I didn't have any upgrades to inspire anybody with. So I even drew a card eventually. Yeah, basically. I even drew a card. Like I was like, this one has to be an upgrade, right? <laughs> and it wasn't. No, it never it was. <laughs> it's so. never the card you need. 
I've yeah. I've literally had a game where I drew. I think I told you about this on the episode one time. Four upgrades and a ploy. Tossed it. Four upgrades and a ploy. Drew a card. Got an upgrade. Yeah. And it's yeah. really hard not to tilt internally. <laughs> oh, I also had ready for action, but no upgrade to use to it. <laughs> That's actually the worst feeling. That's it's so bad. bad. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> so did you like? Do you like the event in Houston? Did you? So I'm assuming you lost, and then. I did, yeah. I, I yeah. basically had an okay first turn, but then no like power to back it up. Um, and then the the dwarves are so good, and uh, it was uh, Raymond uh, was playing them, and he he knew exactly what to do when <laughs> when my power ran out and just right. killed him. So yeah, just stand there and shoot. It's pretty pretty yeah. self-explanatory, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, good. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm glad. All the Houston guys are cool, and uh, we got to. It was our event was happening simultaneously with your event, so we got to comment on that, and uh, that was fun. That's right. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was on the same day, huh? Saturday, both days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was just recently at Warhammer Fest in the UK, specifically Coventry. Um, that was really exciting. I. Like yeah, it was really cool. So I don't know why, but whenever. I think Nick Baton on Facebook posted the tickets and I guess I just decided to buy a ticket and I had no plans of going to England. I don't know why I bought the ticket. And then I guess like three weeks before the tournament, I was like, am I really going to England? <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I guess I am. And so I made a trip <laughs> out of it because I have family there. Nice. My cousin, she goes to university of Nottingham and then my dad's cousin, you know, they live in London so I was like, I have a place to stay. I I do want to see London again. Because uh, the last time I went, I was very young. And, I mean, I guess play some Warhammer, you know? Play some Underworld. So, ended up going. Um, it was a lot of fun. I had a really interesting plane ride, though. Um, lady passed out on the plane. And she was fine, eventually. But everyone was really concerned. Like, people were yelling doctor and everything. Um, oh, wow. She actually fell on top of a girl that I knew who happened to be on the same flight. Um, and then I heard her yelling, <laughs> and that's why I woke up. Um, it was an old coworker of mine. And then um, after they, like, situated her and we, like, finally got to England, like, police came on and, like, escorted people off the plane. It was just wild. It was a wild plane ride. Uh, but when I got there, it was cool. I ended up meeting... John Reese from Can You Roll a Crit? Um, We communicate from time to time on on Facebook. And so uh, he was really hospitable. He was really kind. He, like, walked me through all the train stations. And we ended up meeting up Wednesday night and Thursday night. um, And we played some games. And so I had initially decided to bring Curse Breakers to the event. It was going to be, like, a variation of what I took to Adepticon. But, you know, throwing cards like Spear of Akshi. And, and calculated risk, yeah, um, et cetera. And so uh, John was playing his Profiteers, and I don't know why, but I brought the Profiteers as a backup warband, and I brought all their cards uh, and a couple cards I thought would work well with them. And uh, we were playing, and I quickly realized that I wasn't really enjoying the Curse Breakers. Uh, maybe it's because John pilots the Profiteers so well, but... 
he literally convinced me to just take the profiteers. So not only was I learning a new meta, but I was also learning, you know, how to play this warband at a very high level. Um, and so we only got about five games in, or maybe six over the of the, those two nights. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I got to meet some of the people he plays with. Um, shout out to Emmett. He was a really nice gentleman. And uh, he took Friday off, and so I just decided to go sightseeing. And then uh, we went to Coventry together the next morning from London. And uh, we played in the event. It was really cool. I think we had around 92 people. I'm not really sure. We didn't use any like BCP or anything like that. It was all done via Excel documents and and like paper everything the sign up and everything um yeah. also you know even though the event had sold out you can only get into the event early if you had like a tournament or like a golden ticket pass and so what we found is that people were just buying tickets to tournaments but then not attending the tournaments they just wanted to get into the event early if that makes sense oh wow yeah so it's kind of shitty um, in that, you know, <laughs> probably deprived some people of wanting to play in those tournaments. But I guess it's also really smart on those other people's parts. So I can't I can't hate on the hustlers. But uh, that <laughs> yeah. definitely needs to be rectified for sure. Yeah, that might be something they need to plan for in the future. Yeah, most certainly. But, uh, yeah, it was really cool. I got to meet Michael Carlin, Jamie Giblin, the Ready for Action guys. Uh did you get to do much in the event, or the like the fest itself, or did you spend most of your time in the tournament? Yeah, so uh, we got there really early. Um, so John and I head out, and we checked out the uh, the store, if you will. So I bought the uh, Siege of Terra Solar Wars book. I'm really into the lore for the Horus Heresy, and so it's not available yet in the U.S. So I was really lucky I got it, and then I got another like Death Watch book. It's a sequel to one of the books I really liked in the past. And uh, I thought about getting the limited edition Primaris Marine, but I just eh, wasn't about it, you know. And then <laughs> sure. I did see the new Bandai Space Marine action figure. That looks really sick, really cool. And then I did look at the demo for Warhammer Underworlds Online. which Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, I like how... And for those of you who haven't seen any of the images, I highly suggest you look it up. You can see what like what cards your opponent has, at least the card backs at all times. So whether they have, you know, obviously they need to have probably three objectives unless it's the third phase. But, you know, they might have one power card or, or three. And it's really cool that the fighters are animated. It kind of threw me off a bit, which I wonder if you can toggle whether you can freeze fighters who have already activated. Because... Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I just noticed Gartok. He had, like, his axes, and he was just breathing really heavy <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, you know, so I was like, is he going to move or, or something? So, I mean, the game looks beautiful. Uh, the people there were really nice. Um, and so I'm just definitely – I'm very interested to see how it all pans out. Um, you know, again, if you're not in the Discord, definitely join it. But, uh, yeah, it was really cool to get, like, a sneak peek of it, as you will. But I know they're doing – streams on twitch soon so yeah i'm sure we'll figure it out but very nice yeah cool so i don't think we're going to go through each and every game that you played no uh, but do you want to talk about that experience a little bit yeah yeah sure um so first game 
I played against Curse Breakers. I was so it's kind of nervous about Curse Breakers because there's this new build, which we'll get into later. But I had heard rumors of it, where essentially it's just like passive, lots of passive glory, and you know, by just by casting spells and spamming spamming in power. So I was a little nervous about that matchup, and then you know, lo and behold, first game was against a gentleman named Max, and we played. Um, so he was playing Curse Breakers, but they weren't the spammy magic kind. So you know, at first I thought they were, but they were. It was a very, it was very similar. And the play style of the list I took to Adepticon, I'm not saying the list was similar, but the concept was the same. And so um, we played, and he got really unlucky with his Abyssoth's unmaking in the first game. Um, But essentially, you know, I just fired away with my Profiteers, scored a bunch of instant scores, and just took advantage of the fact that two of my fighters do cleave at range with two damage. And so I pretty much just wiped through his warband very quickly, went plus seven in the first game. Second game was a lot closer. Um, His spells started, you know, working again. I followed the same game plan. Just shoot with cleave pretty much. Um, Try to score as many cards as I can. I only won by one glory in that game. So after the first round, it was plus eight. So just then and there, I didn't think I was going to make it very far in the tournament just because my glory differential was plus eight and I heard someone had gone plus 36. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I was, so I was, you know, it was like, okay, well, you know, I'm here. Might as well keep going. Second game. Guess what? Play Molog. Great. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. So I actually played Max's friend, Chris. Uh, they traveled together. And so we played. And uh, he won board. I won board the first game. So I went with Amber board, because why wouldn't you? Um, put the three lethal hexes in the front and just said, come on in. So Molog came rumbling in. Uh, Molog did take out three of my fighters, or two of my fighters fairly early. It was Iron Hail and Garrod, but I just hid in paths uh, Bjorgen to his side and just started shooting up his squigs. And I scored almost all my objectives just from that. And then I was able to knock Molog down to one wound. Um, but then at the end of the game, I just avoided him because there was just like no point, right? So won that game. And then second game, he won boards. And he was just in my grill very quickly. Again, followed the same strategy. I got Fainway Crystal very early on. So I just moved Lund to his backfield, did the same thing. Focused on the Stalag's quick first because I have Cleave. And so I just got some good rolls in. He failed some defenses. And I ended up going plus 13. Um, so nice. off the bat, playing the perhaps two of the strongest warbands in the current meta. Um, so I was like, phew, man, it's been tough. So then we went on lunch. And then third round, I played Guardians. Which, surprisingly, Guardians are very popular. I mean, they're a good warband, don't get me wrong. But I just didn't think that they would be represented so highly at the event. So I played a guy named Stuart. Um, he had broken his hand, actually. So he was playing with one hand. Um, so shout out to Stuart for being a bro and, uh, you know, persevering through that. But he played a good list, man. Like, first game, I, I just didn't think he was aware of, like, the way my deck worked. So I just took advantage of that and 
I just like blew him to smithereens pretty early on. Got a healthy glory lead. Second game was tough. We actually went all the way to time. So if I didn't win that game, I would have like you know not been able. I would have like immediately been disqualified because at that point, you know, I was two o two o, and so I was mm-hmm. hoping that my you know my my wins would keep going. So it came down to fifteen fifteen glory each, and I had an objective. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that's that can be so important. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, Stuart was like, you know, I think Stuart thought he had it, which I thought he did, too, for a little bit. So he, like, went through all my glory and recounted it. And he was a really nice guy. Um, but, you know, we were just trying to be as accurate as possible. And and so, yeah, he was he was very pleasant, smiled a lot, asked a lot of questions, which I think was important, which one should do when you're not familiar with, you know, the Warband or, or certain cards. Um, but he did really well. Um, he actually took a variation of the the deck I had won my local event with. He actually told me, um, which was really nice to hear um, that it worked for him and it did well. Nice. And then, uh, going into the fourth round, I was the only, or I was one, I was one of, I was one of the few players that were two Oh, two Oh, two Oh. So fourth round, I played Richard, which uh, I guess he's friends with Michael Carlin. And he plays Magor's Fiends. I think he had played Michael the round before and beat him. And Michael was running this really strong Moloch deck. So um, I won board, set up the amber lethal board with the lethal hexes in the front, and I uh, made diagonal to where I created a little choke point. And I pretty much was like, come at me, bro. Um, <laughs> so he did and you know, scored some really key cards, like easy glory early inspired both my fighters with cleave and i just like literally shot magor riptooth and uh zarkus just so magor and riptooth were were eliminated like i think first round first act first phase if not like beginning of the second phase and then you know zarkus and gartok were left and just kept shooting at them um it was really interesting though richard ran all three ranged universal upgrades so Nullstone Arrows, uh, sh- uh, Dark Darts, and Shard shard Darts? Shard Gale Darts? Yeah, Shard Glass Darts. Shard Glass Darts, yeah. Um, which is really interesting because that's a really easy way to inspire your fighters, even though they might be too far away. Um, second game was a little bit closer. I won boards again. I did the same exact setup. You know, if it works, uh, yeah. if it's not broken, don't fix it. Uh, Riptooth got in pretty early in and and missed some missed an attack twice. So he charged, missed. Uh, so I just ignored Riptooth, um, and I just tried to you know take down Magor, and I did. And then I took down I think Gartok, and then the second phase, um, or like halfway through the second phase, Riptooth started trying to do some stuff again, but he missed again, um, uh, which was unlucky for Richard. But uh, I was already a bit head on glory. So I will admit, though, that he did come back quite strongly um, in terms of just the amount of glory he generated, even though he had one fighter alive. I think it was Riptooth. He got like I had like a very I had like an eight glory lead at one point and he like reduced it to two. Wow. But then I scored later on. But yeah, it was it was a pretty good game. Very close at one point. Um, but I think. At the end of the day, like if I'm gonna sit back and 
in that matchup play a gun line and you have to come up to me, I think I have the advantage. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you can use shenanigan cards, like hidden paths and all that, but, you know. Especially if you win boards and you get to uh, offset them in the diagonal setup. Yeah. Then, yeah, I would say that that's, that's going to be a difficult situation for McGores. They'd, yeah. they'd almost have to have, like, a perfect starting hand with, like, Faneway Crystal and Hidden Paths and Spectral Wings just to get in on you fast enough, I would think. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, granted, my Warband is slow, but the range kind of makes up for it. So it was yeah. that it was, it was was important that I won those boards. Um, and to your point, that's the only reason I beat Molog earlier in the tournament, too, is because both games I had Hidden Paths and Faneway Crystal fairly early on. So Or one of the... One of the two, so yeah, yeah. I've been taking all three in my Godsworn and uh, my Far Striders as well. Faneway, Hidden Paths, and Spectral Wings, and the mobility that it gives you is just amazing. Yeah, they're they're almost almost you have to take them right. So, um, yeah. but yeah, after that, I wasn't really sure where I'd stack up because like at at the end of the fourth round, or I was playing at the third table and what they did is it was ranked. So like if you weren't, you know, if you were in the lead, you played at table one. So I played mm-hmm. at table three. Uh, but then I found out that I was the only player in the entire event who didn't drop a single game in the round of four. Which is the first tiebreaker is lost games, right? right? Yep. Nice. So when I found that out, I was like, okay, I'm going to the final, I think. And uh, I even ran into Dave Sanders who you know wrote the rules for the game and so that was one of the first things i asked him was like hey uh what's the first tiebreaker by the way and so um it was really neat he clarified and then i ended up did playing in the final and i played yeah thank you i played against rafa who's a player from spain so two uh foreign players i guess at this uk event and playing in the final and uh unfortunately it was what i was afraid of it was the turtle deck. Um, Rafa did have some solid aggro cards as well. So I think his was a little bit more hybrid in the fact that he's going to sit back, score a ton of passive glory, and then go on the offensive should he even need to, right? So I knew from the beginning that I had to be the aggressor. I had to be the beatdown. And mm-hmm. it's kind of tough because uninspired fighters in my warband aren't that imposing right you know like they're only doing one damage or they're not that accurate and then curse breakers in general pound for pound are just very strong statted fighters so that was a challenge that i had because you're gonna need basically you need to attack in order to inspire so you can get things like what armor and get the hands and uh, headshot that kind of thing yeah, exactly. And so, but I knew he wasn't going to come to me. So I won board and I used the amber board, but I flipped it around because the amber board has like four starting hexes that are right in your enemy's face on the other side. It's just a great board overall for aggressive or defensive warbands. So I put that board down and I had like all my fighters start up at the front. And I was like, I need to get in this guy's face quick or I'm just going to lose to passive scoring. Um, and just so we're clear, I guess, um, the kind of Curse Breaker deck that we're talking about has the 
uh, objective for casting four spells for two glory and then six spells for three glory. Yes, and superior tactician and harness the storm and two spells for one glory with a faction card as well. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and alone so, in the darkness. So, so basically all it has to do is stand there and cast gambit spells or just empower over and over. Right? Correct. Yeah, that's really all it has to do and it kind of wins. Interesting. So if you don't get in and stop it quickly, then it's very hard to beat. Yeah, you just lose, right? So um, hmm. it it was it was tough because a I'm slow, I'm not very powerful, uninspired, and his his fighters are just stronger and they have like an easier game plan. Um, so first game, we ended up. I I got really aggressive which I had to, right? So I'm just like shooting, trying to score some, some cards. I scored a couple and then, you know, storm sire, uh, got knocked into a lethal hex and I had hidden paths in my hand and Bjorgen, uh, was on a edge hex. And I was like, I can either YOLO this play <laughs> and like, this will win me the game. Or if I fail, I'll lose. But I had the right cards in my hand to where I could, guarantee success but almost or increase the odds significantly so i hidden paths bjorgen over and um i had like trap pit trap and and i did one damage so i was like i just need to get through once to an uninspired storm sire so he was only rolling one defense dice and then i can i can kill him right yeah so i i hidden paths i fire i miss i just whiff the roll um, I put an upgrade on. I ready for action. I miss again. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, and then he and then that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, and then Rastus charged Bjorgen because Rastus was inspired, had cleave, and then I was just eliminated via Withering and Spear of Akshi. Right. So mm, yeah. at that point, I'm like, crap. You know, half my warband's not inspired. Uh, so the game went on a little bit. I thought I had it. We ended up tying 16-16, but this time he was on the objective. Yeah. So, okay. lose game one. Game two, I won boards again, did the same setup. This time played a little bit more reserved. Um, but, you know, I... After the match, John came up to me and he was like... I saw him draw his opening hands and he's like, I knew you had no chance. And and not to... not He didn't mean that in a mean way. He was like, Rafa just drew the god hand. Like... Yeah. Like like Stormsire, he was like really aggressive off the bat. Stormsire charged in, hit Thundric for two, and then withering Akshi. Like oh, man. second or third activation. And then I yeah. and that's it. Like none of my fighters can inspire. And then from there, I did my best. I did score quite a bit. I ended up losing nineteen to fifteen, so just by four glory. But again, you know, he just kind of sits there and just scores. Um, second game, yeah, he got a great opportunity and he took full advantage of it. So kudos to my opponent. But uh, it was just a tough matchup. I'm not really that upset over it um, because sure. I knew I knew that it was just hard matchup. You know, like I could outplay my opponent and still lose. So it's it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes a matchup like that is going to be like a you know, 60-40 in their favor. And, I mean, I guess it's good that you won boards because if you had lost boards, man, that would have been <laughs> even worse probably. Yeah, but, that just goes to show that winning boards was the only way I had a chance pretty much. 
and even yeah. then it was very difficult. So hmm. it's it's an interesting deck. I think it abuses the empower rule a little or the empower ability a little bit. But uh, I mean, if it's in the game and it's legal, it works, right? So yeah. Do you think there's anything that you could have done differently in your deck to like counter it better? Or well, I had hidden paths and I had Fainway Crystal. Um, yeah. I don't know how else you, you counter that. I didn't, like I said, I didn't have a read on the UK meta, so I just took what I thought would be, yeah, you know, like, like strong in the US. And so, right. um, obviously, you know, the guys in the UK, they're really good at building decks, especially like brand new strategies. And so uh, I had no idea that I was going to face it. And then when I got wind of the deck, um, I, I even tried to throw one together myself, but I just didn't feel comfortable with it. Honestly, mm-hmm. it, did se- it seemed a little boring to me, um, personally as a player. Not not a knock on anyone who plays it, but just for me personally. So yeah, and you just come off of uh, Adepticon playing Curse Breakers, so yeah. I, I know I get bored of them, like any yeah. faction really after you know a whole event. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I you played is... three events there, so <laughs> yeah, I did. I don't blame me at all. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's my strength and perhaps even a weakness as a player is I like switching between warbands a lot. So I know how they all work, um, but like you know, there are some people who just play one warband every single day, every event, and you know I think that works for them. I just personally like there's so much to do in the game and to explore, so I like playing everything. But I'm honestly I'm pretty proud with myself. Like I went to another country, I was jet lagged, I didn't know the meta, I was playing a fairly new warband, um, and not only was I the only player who didn't drop a single game in the Swiss rounds, but I also made it to the final and, you know, performed better than a lot of my, you know, a lot of our, you know, colleagues in terms of content creation. So, um, I mean, it was really exciting and, and, you know, not, you know, they all did really well. I'm sure if I had faced any one of them, you know, (laughs) they probably would have taken a game from me. So obviously luck is a factor, but, um, if Rafa hadn't, Rafa actually played Jamie Giblin in the fourth round, so I'm sure the winner of them would have played me in the final. So, but yeah, it was really nice meeting everybody, and that's really that. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like a great time. Um, our next uh, topic is going to be uh, the meta, um, just kind of in general. Um, now that we have all of the war bands for this season, and the whole, basically the whole collection. Um, of cards, then uh, I think it's probably a good idea to just talk about what we think all the factions can do and what you need to look out for and all that moving into the end of the season. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Cool. So what we're going to do is basically just going to quickly go through each faction um, and talk about the, like what we think are the basics, what people would need to understand um, about them and what, uh, what things you might need to look out for if you see them across the table, um, and maybe like what kind of different ways there are to play them. Sure. Cool. Um, <clears throat> so let's start with the Reavers. Um, nice. I'd say that I don't see these around too much, but um, when I do, like sometimes they can be pretty scary. I tend to agree with that. I mean, there's only really one way to play them. I think, I mean, and it's just like, 
you know, aggro. But mm-hmm. I think you have to do it in a smart manner. Um, you know, there's this term that's been coined called mid-range. And I don't necessarily think that fits the reverse playstyle. But in a way, it might. I think the most important thing when building a reverse deck is to throw in a lot of accuracy improvement cards, like Fueled by Fury, Potion of Rage, mm-hmm. as well as out-of-activation attacks. So, like, they have this one card... I think it's like fueled by slaughter or something where it's if any fighter is, you know, killed on the board, you can react and one of your fighters can make an attack. Right. So yeah, so you can charge with one and then charge with the other and if the second one kills somebody, then the yeah. first one can attack again. Yeah. yeah. So attack manipulation and accuracy buffs is the way I see Reavers doing or performing fairly well actually. Yeah, I think you also probably want to take, uh, you want to minimize the amount of objectives you take that actually require somebody to die. Um, we have a lot of cards now, like um, Calculated Risk, Change of Tactics, um, Cover Ground, I think is a good one for Reavers. Um, and then you can be scoring glory off of those, and then you can probably also be scoring glory off of just scoring objectives, like maybe combination strike or something like that. Um, I think those sort of things are possible with them. And man, they just, sometimes they have a lot of damage. Like if you take twist the knife and trap and all that. And, yeah. Uh, I was I playing you... one guy and he had uh, hero slayer and I was like, Oh no. And then he played <laughs> haymaker and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> wow. That's, he got me. He that's ballsy, but when it works, it works. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because they have a they have two or three ways to get like plus two. I think he had a uh, potion of rage, and then they have a faction one that does one damage for two extra dice. Yeah, you take a damage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I think I think those I think they're like sort of a sleeper where you th- if someone's new and they're not very good, then they're usually not that hard to beat. But if somebody really knows what they're doing, then like. I think they can be pretty good. And actually in the data that I gathered uh, for the last quarter of the season, um, <clears throat> they didn't have the highest win rate, but they actually had a very high percentage of their players go into the third round undefeated, which I think to me means that if you know what you're doing, they can actually be pretty dangerous. Agreed. I mean, I think that what you just said goes for every warband, but... Yeah. Specifically more so with the Reavers is I think they're a high skill cap warband. You know, on face value, as you mentioned, they just look like, you know, I mean, or as anyone would think, honestly, is they're corn, right? You just go in and charge. They don't have much in the way of defense either. But if you're able to be smart about your charges and your positioning and utilizing your cards to maximize your damage output, mm-hmm. I think you can do really well. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of passive scoring cards that are now in the game that can really get their glory train and upgrades running. So I'm yeah, a big I fan. Think, I think if you're against them, you probably just want to focus on killing the big ones. Yeah, and you I always kill Sake, Sake first. Is, yeah, exactly. I think Sake is the scary one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He is scary. <clears throat> um, well, then I guess the next faction is Steelhearts. Mm-hmm. What do you think of them? Yeah, so I think there's two ways to play them right now. I think you can create like a a mid-rangey deck where you kind of sit back, 
draw all the cards you need, and then you teleport in, if you will, via Hidden Paths, Fainway Crystal, Shadowed Step even, and then you can start counterattacking the enemy and, and getting in there and getting some guaranteed eliminations in. Or you can play an aggro variant of the deck, which is something that I think is a little bit more consistent, but that's just my opinion, where you just run in there and you smash face and you probably take Twist the Knife, you know, maybe even Trap, and you just rely on your two block. Mm -hmm. And if there are any cleaving fighters in the enemy warband, just take them out first. Yeah, when I was playing against them this weekend... um... He was playing them. I was playing Godsworn, and he was playing the Steelhearts. And he, his deck was kind of... It was aggressive. Like, that's where he got most of his glory was from kills. But what he would do is draw a couple cards and make me come to him and then hit me back really hard. And because they have three fighters, they usually win the roll-off to see who goes first. And mm-hmm. they'll usually make you go first. Right. So they get that last activation. And if you and they have some great objectives, like, you know, they'll usually get strong start. They have the objective that wants them to kill somebody with a charge. Lightning strikes. Yeah. And then a lot of the time that will lead into combination strike or victory after victory. And yeah. So I've had some turn where I'll lose one fighter to them and then they have like six glory at the end of the round <laughs> yeah i mean like to your point like because there's only three of them and they're quite limited in what they can do because they don't have range or magic mm-hmm. you really really rely on you know comboing those instant scores to just get a lot of glory off every hopefully you know hit or kill you get um mm-hmm. and then you just throw in some accuracy cards to make sure that happens like they're one of the few warbands where i would take their faction you know, reaction if you failed, make another attack. I think it's called Tireless Assault. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They also have an in-faction version of Distraction, uh, Peel of Thunder. Oh, yeah. And that's extremely powerful, because a lot of the time they'll double up. And then I, I, I played Hidden Paths on them, and then they distract you away. And they have all the tools to sort of stay away. I think their main weakness is if you can rush in with a way to do four damage before... They're inspired and just one-shot one. But a lot of the time you can run inspiration strikes and then through positioning kind of stay out of range of too many people. Yeah, I will say, as, a, as like a final comment from my side, is that they are, I think, more so dice-dependent than any other, or, or than most warbands, not any other but most, in that, you know, they do have to block... But if you're rolling like crap, or you're not able to get a shield or a crit in time, and mm-hmm. you don't inspire, then you know your guys will go down pretty quick because one block is pretty easy to get around. Right. Yeah. Some if you go two or three attacks without inspiring, that can be really punishing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they're a fun warband. They're not one that I've spent a ton of time with yet, but they're definitely on the short list of ones that I want to focus on soon. Yeah, Davy from what the hex he mm-hmm. told me that he just won a local with the Steelhearts, and that he was playing like a variation of michael carlin's deck which is more of like again the more reacting reactionary deck i don't mm-hmm. even know if that's a word but um <laughs> with all the teleports and stuff yeah just draw and teleport so yeah 
yeah, that was probably one of my favorite articles um, by Michael recently. Um, and we'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. So next is the sepulchral guard. Sepul- I don't know if I can say that word. Sepulchral. The, the skeletons. That's what there I call <laughs> Yeah, what do you think of those? Um, honestly, I think they're in a pretty rough spot right now. Yes. Um, I think that with in the current meta with Tome of Offerings just existing and then um, them just being so slow, it's very difficult for them to get where they need to be. Um, the other thing that really hurt them was Extreme Flank going away um, when it was banned. I really, f- it's funny, it's just one card, but I feel like it really. I feel like they, more than anybody else, really missed that. Because what they're good at is just holding their territory. Um, yeah. Plus objectives, right? And now, you know, with yeah. with mischievous spirits and Abathos on making, and then if they're playing guardians, mm-hmm. they're really in for a tough time because of you know leech life. I think it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, leech power. I think they can destroy an objective. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, just in general, with any objective. Warband where you're trying to get supremacy. If you if you win the board roll and you only have two objectives, it can be very difficult to get that third one. And they're not very fast. But um, I mean, I've definitely had good games against them where they did well. And if you're not, if you don't know what you're doing, and you just rush in and kill the champion when he comes back, I mean, he's one of the best. Uh, offensive fighters in the game with three hammers and um two damage and cleave yeah yeah and i mean and then the harvester i've seen the harvester get inspired and get uh concealed weapon and turn into a monster yeah it's always fun when you drop him into like a bunch of goblins and see what happens yeah, and I've, I mean, I've had that go both ways, where sometimes all four goblins die, and <laughs> then the other, <laughs> the other, like, just, he just sits there and whips. But um, there's one of the guys locally here was running a card where um, I forget what it's called. I have to look it up later. But it's um, if you attack somebody and they have two or more support, you get two glory if the attack goes through. Mm-hmm. And that one can actually be kind of interesting on the harvester in certain matchups that is it's very niche if you're attacking three times it's probably i think i think if you're playing against the the guard though um Mm -hmm. i think you know as we mentioned stop them from getting objectives and focus the warden down if you can get to the warden it's one of those warbands where the leader is so important where if you can take the warden down quickly it's, it's you pretty much win the game. I think it's very difficult for them to come back because both of his actions are so important. Um, and that's also your inspire mechanic as well, or the opponent's inspire mechanic if you're playing against them. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you got a wizard, take Abbott's thoughts on making. If you don't have a wizard and you're not playing aggro, <laughs> then take uh, Mischievous Spirits. Yeah. Yeah, they hate both of those. And generally, I would just kill the petitioners if you can and kind of ignore the named guys. Yeah, the Prince of Dust, um, you could pretty much ignore yeah. him. He doesn't he's really pretty do much, much just there for get the hints. But yeah. Once <laughs> he's inspired, he's a little bit more dangerous, but I just yeah. generally ignore him. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I try to avoid the champion too, but I don't mind taking down the Harvester if he's in the way of getting to the, the Warden. But. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it really is going to depend on the matchup. Sometimes yeah. you're more afraid of the Harvester, and then other times it's going to be the yeah. champion. But <clears throat> hopefully they'll get a boost at some point. Um, I guess they probably like um, calculated risk, but who doesn't, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't see them being a big part of the meta, but at the same time, if you're not ready for them, they might be able to get you. Yeah, I think... I think there's some people out there who just love them and will play them and they'll figure some stuff out. But in general, you know, if you face them in a competitive environment, you know, if you if you just follow those two rules, I think you'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so next is the Orcs. And these are really a warband that I almost never see. Iron Skulls Boys? Yeah. Iron Skulls Boys, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think they're a little bit eclipsed by McCor's Fiends. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, at one point, they used to be, like, the top dog in the house when there was just four warbands. Yeah. And then, yeah, they're just, I mean, Gerzag's really good. Bonecut is, he's good. It's just Hakka and Bash are so, uh, I guess, underwhelming. <laughs> yeah. That it's just tough, right? Like, you you go from two swords, one damage, to three fury, two damage. But you have to take a damage to do so. And in this meta, there's just so many ways, like, you know, to take down a three-wound fighter very easily. That Mm -hmm. it doesn't even make, you know, like, you're literally almost wishing that you don't inspire. Because you're just... (laughs) You're just making it easier for your your guys to get killed. Um, yeah, I think if you were going to play them, which you know, if you like them and you want to play them, go for it. Um, I think calculated risk helps a lot. Um, at least you're getting some glory out of that kill. Um, they they do have some good cards like cunning but brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you play them kind of like you would play Macors with some teleports and some pushes like commanding stride and spectral wings. Um, movement buff. I think whip into a frenzy is really good because it inspires it's you. Very good for them, yeah. Potentially lets Spurzag kill somebody. Um, but I'd say it's definitely a challenge. Um, That's how I would play. At the same time, him. I don't think you can underestimate Gerzag either. No, he's one of the best fighters in the game. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's not enough for this warband. Yeah, the other thing I think is unfortunate with them is i think they take the brunt of a lot of uh anti-molog tech because they rely on gerzag so much mm-hmm. so if gerzag gets rebounded or frozen in time or anything like that then it's just really hard to recover from that yeah that's a really good point actually is that because of molog other warbands with perhaps similar types of play but maybe less effective as molog individually are suffering right so yeah I mean, rebound sucks for anybody, which you have to—you <laughs> just have to just assume your opponent doesn't have it. Um, but you know, other cards like Frozen and Time do hurt. If I were to play the Orcs right now, which I have been theory crafting because I do have to win glass with them still, which I don't know <laughs> yeah. why I waited so long. But um, I don't know. I really like there's this like like this ninja assassin build with Gerzag where you just make him really strong and you go in and you just kill everything. Mm-hmm. Um, while you apply pressure, you know, you hopefully you teleport him in and you get the kill. And then you give him upgrades to survive. And then, you know, Basha, Hakka, and Bonecutta are pressuring from the other side. Um, mm-hmm. 
But if you're going to play against orcs, the boys, my uh, what I generally tend to do um, is just wait for one of them to commit. So they're going to try to either charge in if they're a newer player or they got some sort of tricks up their sleeve. And if that's <laughs> the case, bait, bait, bait a charge and then eliminate the charged fighter. Then bait another charge and then eliminate the charged fighter and take them out piecemeal. Mm-hmm. Or you can be the bait. And set up to where if someone gets into you and, you know, hopefully that fighter survives, you can counterattack and remove those fighters. Because the thing is, is once they've charged in, they really can't do anything else unless they've got ready for action or something. So, Yeah, and you actually do need to be careful of Gerzak too, though, because if uh, they have a lot of cool combos you can do, like commanding stride, attack, and then you can... Play, you, or you could charge and then play ready for action. And instead of attacking, you can move and then play cunning but brutal, which is attack after a move action. Mm-hmm. So you can almost double charge with Gerzak. That is you have that combo. That's very disgusting, actually. Yeah. And then I think, I don't know, they have some cool cards. It's just, it's they just, just don't hard, have cleave. So. Yeah, that's probably a big part of it. I think one of them, like, I think Hakka gets cleave on a crit. Yeah, but, yeah, and I mean, if if you give either of those guys, if you get them inspired and give them like concealed weapon, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. true. I just but, usually just take mutating maul and give them one mutating maul. Yeah, would you take what armor in there for that? Or well, that's the thing, right? So if you take crush and cleave, which is give either uh-huh. bone cutter or gerzag cleave. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do take good. that card, and then you take. Uh, mutating Maul, and, and then maybe, two. yeah, and then Hakka would be your third, in theory. Um, sure. But I don't know, it's risky. <laughs> yeah, playing them in general is, is just tough, but I you probably learn like, a lot about the aggro like situation, you know? Yeah. I bet if you played Orcs for a while and then you switched to Magors, you'd be like a Magors god. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what a lot of people did, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I almost kind of want to build like a meme deck, but not really, where you just take all all or nothing, and then you just pack in as many damage-inducing cars that you can, try mm. to get a whole bunch of kills in, and then worst case scenario, you scored five glory at the end. It might be <laughs> enough for you to win. Yeah, that's true. Could be. I know some people have toyed around with the idea of a defensive orc deck, and to me, I, I'm not really sure how that would work. Um like objectives or anything like that. I just feel like just feel like they don't have the tools for it. I don't think so either. Yeah. Alright. Well let's move on to the next one. Um the chosen axes. About those? <laughs> um <laughs> I think again they suffer from very similar issues as you mentioned that, that Gerzag and the boys do, right? Yeah. Is that A they're slow, much slower than in like the average warband, but on top of that, you know, fuel is so good that most builds revolve around fuel, which is their leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he gets five health when he's inspired. He gets cleave. He does four damage. Like he's any stormcast or fiend's worst enemy. Even Molog, he could <laughs> technically one shot you if he takes um, lethal strike or whatever the infaction card is. But yeah, again. He suffers from frozen in time, rebound. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, and he's slow, right? Like, and you have to get him inspired. Yeah, that's the thing. 
So I think if you're going to play dwarves, you take regal visions and you take inspiration strikes. Yeah, absolutely. But They do have some really good faction cards, though. Oh, yeah. But they need to, though, because they're so slow. Right, right. Like, I love Indomitable, which is reduced damage to one mm-hmm. for the next activation. I like Piercing Stare. Piercing Stare is a good card. They have some of the best push cards, like Earthshakes and Treasure Lost. Yeah. I think if you build like a like a teleport deck, kind of like the, yeah. the Steelheart Champions, where you mm-hmm. just wait till you draw everything, and you just teleport in, you could do work. I mean, you can you really don't really need to focus on Mad Magrum too much. He's pretty much useless. Um, <laughs> but like Tefk, Vol, and Fuel, they're pretty good, especially once inspired. So yeah. technically, what you could do is you could like put Fuel on. Uh, an objective, play Regal Visions, and then quick, or not Fuel, but like Tefk or Vol, mm-hmm. and then quick advance. So whichever one you inspire, you push him one hex off, and you push the other one one hex on. And if you do that towards the end of a turn, then your fighter would be inspired, hopefully, going into the second phase, right? So. Yeah, that's true. You could also push them onto the objective, inspire them, and then charge, which might catch somebody off guard. Well, it's the end of the the of the. Oh, I mean with Regal Vision. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's or, true. Or obviously you can do that with Inspiration Strikes as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean they're pretty. I mean honestly, stat wise, once they inspire, like they might have some of the best stats in the game. They have one guy at four damage, two guys at three, and then Mad Megram's only at two, but he's three swords with a reroll. So, I mean that's <laughs> those are pretty good stats, but man, it's hard to get inspired. Yeah, I, I think, think that's if you're the, against them, you just don't let them get inspired. Yeah, I mean, even then, like, just take fuel out, and <laughs> easier said than done. But you know, every warband has hidden paths, Fainway Crystal, or every at least yeah. has access to them. Excuse me. And so, I think you just you just wait till the right moment to strike, and then you strike. So. Yeah, and they do have an attack again card. Which is not. I mean, they, they really just have some of the best cards in the game. But I think if you can kill the leader and the other ones aren't inspired, it can be pretty difficult. And I feel like in the ranged meta that we're kind of in now, it can be really difficult for them to just close the distance. Like, yeah, for you sure. You have three range and you can hit one of them, and they're not inspired, and you knock them back. They're not even going to be able to charge you back. Well, one of their so. worst matchups historically was Far Striders, right? So. Yeah, you, I bet their worst matchup now is going to be the new dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> the profiteers. Well, it's that power creep. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <clears throat> well, what do you think of uh, Spideclaw Swarm? Um, Spideclaw Swarm is a warband that I actually really like. Um, just I just like playing them. Um, Scritch is still, even now, one of the best fighters in the game. Um having two range and five movement on a three damage attack that you can, like you can choose when to inspire him and go up to three damage and then upgrade him before pretty easily. Um, like he's a beast. Like he was a beast before the abandoned restricted list and you could like superpower him. And he definitely took a hit bef- like after that. Um, but I think I, I just like playing them. Um, I think nowadays you kind of have to do like an objective Set up 
Um, maybe like hold objectives one and four, those kind of cards, the tactical supremacy. Um, you might be able to go full aggro now. Like we might have enough cards for it. Um, the we have a f- we've gotten a few more weapons recently. Um, like the faded blade could be good on them. I would normally take shade glass dagger as well. Um, the hungering skaven has an upgrade called the black hunger that'll let him get plus one damage to any attack, and he can his attack is an AOE. Um, so if you give him a weapon upgrade, like I think it would be hilarious to do the Faded Blade on him. So it does one plus whatever you roll damage, and then it does it to everyone around him. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting. And he doesn't... You can't get support against him either. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had a game where I charged... I was using the um, the shade glass, not the shade glass, the nullstone sword, which is three hammers and two damage, I believe. Um, but he boosts it up to three, and then I charged into like two far striders, and I think I knocked one of them into a lethal hex, and he was dead. And then I knocked the other one and played trap, and he was dead. So you can, there's definitely some things you can do. Wow. Um, and they have so much speed. That you can sort of be wherever you want, which is really cool. Yeah, uh, it's interesting, right? Because like you, you, you focus on more of like an objective style strategy, but you're mm-hmm. still taking those weapon upgrades to make some of those weaker Skaven um, stronger or at least deadlier. Uh, I think but, that's how I would do it. Yeah. Yeah, I just think again, like. Because Molog exists and people tech against Molog, mm-hmm. and because Scritch, Fuel, and Gerzag are like many Mologs, um, right. they just suffer so badly from the tech that people take for Molog. And on top of that, you know, if you take Scritch out fairly early, uh, you know, part of the Warband's strength is the comeback mechanic that he can, there's always more, there's always more yeah. rats running around. Um, so a smart player will keep Scritch well defended and will use him for counter charges. But again, right. like if you get a good hand and the opportunity presents itself, I would take it because you take him out and they've pretty much got Kirk and he's not that impressive. So. <laughs> he is sometimes surprisingly hard to kill because he goes to two block when he inspires. But True. That's about it. But, Cleave, I mean, I, baby, cleave. He is very combo reliant, um, just scratch in general. So, I mean, you'll have games where you charge in, you kill somebody, you're ready for action, you kill another guy, and then you illusionary fighter back into your territory, and you feel kind of like a god. But then you'll have games where you charge in, hit somebody, they rebound you, and you lose the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, pretty much. That, so. I, think, I think that's actually what sort of stopped me from playing them for a little bit is somebody rebounded me and I was like, I'm going to go play Far Striders. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I think they're pretty good. And I, I think it was, um, I think it was Adepticon. Jeff that Osborne. You were at. Yeah. I think he went undefeated and killed like three Mologs or something. Yeah. He took down, I think it was two or three Mologs in a row. <laughs> yeah. Granted, he rolls crit defenses like a God, but he, yeah. He, he he played them very well. I, I watched the tail end of his game against Kyle Dalton, who was the number one seed going into the fourth round with his Molog. Mm-hmm. And 
he just played a very smart, like, not necessarily objective focus, but, like, objectives, like, he had cards that helped, like, I think he had a couple tactical supremacies, and then, like, he ran Long Strider, because, like, you know, mm-hmm. if one of his Skaven, you know, died, he could just bring it back and move it again. Right. Um, so, yeah, Scritch was pretty dirty, too. I mean, he always <laughs> is, right? So. Yeah, I think when you play them the objective way, I think they're very difficult. But I think that playing that sort of deck is, like, it really makes you think about every single thing you do. And so I would recommend it as, like, practice. Like, I'm, I'm not sure I would be as brave as Jeff and take him to Adepticon, but <laughs> I'd have to practice them a lot more. But um, I felt like just playing them for, like, a week or so um because i i tried them aggro and then i tried them the uh objective way um i felt like i learned things and i had to plan ahead like you know i need to hold one and two and three and four uh one and four um so i i think those kind of decks are really interesting because they really make you think ahead and stuff like that but in the current meta i think they're a little bit um in danger of how much objective destroying there is though as well so, exactly yeah and I again a little bit worried about they're that. just weaker fighters like it's you can just do so much damage nowadays yeah they do like, kind of suffer from uh, tome of offerings as well oh yeah that's uh, another just like skeletons Any, anytime you're bringing back weak fighters um just to die again that can kind of be unfortunate if they have tome of offerings on curse breaker or Malog or something like that yeah i mean it is neat that uh you mean storm sire right uh yeah storm star so it is neat that like you know you can if a fighter you know dies they lose their tokens but they keep their upgrades mm-hmm. it's like there are some shenanigans you can pull but i don't know some it's just not worth it like you take martyred tag calculated oh, risk you take a couple cards but you know i definitely think you can win with them and you can make a pretty good deck um but i love just i love playing with instant scores and I, that's how i would build this deck is I would just take a crap ton of instant scores, and no matter how fast my fighters, you know, you know, got eliminated or not, like I would have healthy glory. I think. Yeah, I think so, and I, I think that now that we have a couple more cards, um, like calculated risk, um, trying to think if there's anything else. Not sure there's anything else that they got that really stands out to me, but um, really just calculated risk in general helps. Um, Long Strider is pretty good in them. Because if you I mean, die, you could even take Nullstone back. arrows, right? Yeah, I do like Dark Darts and um, Mutating Maul and uh, Shade Glass darts on them because they you'll throw a lot of dice and they uh, have the mobility to kind of get wherever they want. So yeah. you do have to watch out for that when you're playing against them. They're so fast and they can really just be wherever they want to be. Very fast, and you can even take yeah. sudden growth and deathly fortitude, and yeah. it doesn't really hurt them too badly. Right, you just have to be careful about giving up too much glory, losing the little guys. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So if you're playing against Skaven, <laughs> take out Scritch or farm the little guys. I think that's how you win. Yeah, I think so. Once you figure out how they're trying to play, you just need to counter it. And usually, killing Scritch is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, next is Magor's Fiends. Um, this is probably the first warband that 
I feel like I see a lot of because they're just good. Yeah, they're just they're they're just all have four health. Uh, Riptooth is surprisingly very scarily scary. Excuse me, early on with his mm-hmm. mobility and his innate ability to potentially crit, and then once they've inspired, which means just by hitting you, which is fairly easy, um, yep. they get to four movement. Yeah, yeah, and that's I feel I feel like especially when you're like newer to the game sometimes you're like eh, one more movement whatever but it like it's giant <laughs> it's like a oh it's huge it's a 30 33 percent increase in their range um and if you compare that to Stormcast or curse breakers or somebody that doesn't speed up um even far striders only one of them like only far striders at four the whole time um it can it's so good well the thing is also is that they are they're very forgiving because they have so much health you know that they can just run up and even if they miss they're generally in a safe spot and then you know you can take cards that generate passive glory you know so they have this whole you know shard gale uh, rivers of blood combo Mm -hmm. which is pretty good and then you know you could just put on some upgrades and, and then eliminate the enemy fighters. I mean, it's very simple, right? Charge and kill the enemy. And granted, it's it's a little bit more complicated than that, but in essence, like even if you're playing a mid-range variant or a straight aggro variant, that's what you're going to do, and that's how you'll win with this warband. And if the dice are in your favor, then you steamroll your opponent. And if the dice are just average, you're still giving your opponent a really good game. And even if you miss, I mean, yeah, then it's you're. You I mean you're pretty reliant on accuracy, mm-hmm. but uh, they also have some of the most accurate attacks in the game. Yeah, they all like, hit on smash except Magor is like the least accurate one. He's two smash with cleave. <laughs> the other ones go to three smash and then. Uh, yeah, they're. I mean, they're just solid. Sort of like you were saying in your games at the event, you can force them to come in at you like one at a time, usually because you've won the boards. That could be really good. If you can sort of spread out and make them separate, I feel like that could be helpful. And then that I think too. the way they... Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. I think the way that you counter that as Magors is bringing a lot of mobility cards and potentially ranged attacks like you were talking about uh your opponent did in the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you just, you play them similarly to how you would play any aggressive warband nowadays, honestly, is you yeah. wait till you get the right cards. You either, you know, stack up your accuracy. So when you go in through the traditional charge, you're doing well. If not, you teleport in and you assassinate someone. And then, you know, especially when you win boards, there's so many boards nowadays where you can just sit up right in your opponent's face. And, at that yeah. point, they're already on the back end. Um, they even give Molog a great game, too, because, you know, unless Molog gets inspired instantly, he's yeah. got to swing at least twice to take these guys out. Yeah, that's true. I think that if you're... Um, I, think the Molog match, I think the Molog matchup is kind of hard, but 
I would say it's probably about a 50-50. Like, it's going to have a lot to do with who rolls good and positioning on the different fighters. Yeah. And that's the strength and weakness of all aggro yeah. warbands, I think, is if you roll well. Like, I know, I've met so many people, like even <laughs> Richard, who I played in Warhammer uh, yeah. Fest. You know, he was like, he kept saying that damn dog. Um, <laughs> and it's true, though. I mean, like, Riptooth missed twice. Yeah. And it would have scored him some glory. And so, granted, missing attacks always sucks with no matter who you're playing with. But mm-hmm. if your warband is designed to hit people and score you glory by killing them, then mm-hmm. you have to hit. Um, yeah. Which makes them... I would them, say... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just just to close my thought, it, that's why they're, they're just so easy to play. They don't They don't necessarily play themselves, but you just run up and you smack things. And people yeah. like aggro, so... Why not? Yeah, I think they're good. I think that if you're going against them, a lot of the time it can be a good idea to prioritize killing Magor, even though I think Riptooth can be scarier sometimes, because there's usually a number of upgrades and ploys that are and uh, objectives that are tied to Magor. Mm-hmm. True. Like um, he has the his own version of Tome of Offerings, and Commanding Stride only works on him. And I think there's an objective for killing somebody with your leader. Yeah, show of strength. Yeah, and he's usually you know half the way you get what armor. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I whenever he's the I'm most playing, reliable at least. I always hate it when I lose my board. <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing, right? Is like you know, there's a common trend um, for those who've been listening is is you know take out the leader quickly. Uh, and yeah, you know that 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 works with almost every warband I think. But um, Riptooth yeah. is also something that you don't want to be. Uh, so like some people say ignore Riptooth. I'm definitely not in that camp. I think you take Riptooth out quickly because once he gets inspired, he does three damage, he's fairly accurate, and he has two dodge. Oh, yeah. And he can also get last chance off if they take that. It's, they also uh, have uh, their own version of Inspiration Strikes, and so when you mm-hmm. double up, man, that's scary. They also yeah. have one of my favorite cards... Um, I forget what it's called, the version of Indomitable. I just love that on any warband where you reduce the damage. Oh, Demonic it. Resilience? Demonic Resilience, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, I love that card. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It just wastes your opponent's whole turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably good for Magors. Um, they're good. You should play them. <laughs> yeah, easily easily top yeah. five. Be afraid. <laughs> Yeah, so next warband is is Far Striders. Uh, you said you've been playing them recently, right, Jonathan? Yeah, I have. Um, and I would say that before the most recent update with uh, Profiteers and Guardians, um, I would say they were like maybe lower middle tier. But I think they got like a bunch of good cards in this latest release. Mm-hmm. So I would I don't know if I would say they're top tier because I think they're very difficult to play, um, and I don't think they have a great answer for Moloch, but I think that they um, are very good against everybody else. I think that, I think they, like, I think it's a game. Like, I think that you probably have a 50-50 against a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Because the cool thing about them is they're like a scalpel where if you know what the other person's trying to do, you probably have the mobility and the poke damage to stop them from doing it. I think that's fair. I think they're definitely a warband that require a lot of finesse. Yeah. You 
you can't just pick up Forest Riders and expect to do really well with them. Like maybe, you know, Magors or, or Malog. I think mm-hmm. most certainly you need to play them, as you've mentioned, as Scalpel. I do think that a lot of the cards that came out with the Overlords do help them. Like Stand and Shoot or Death from Afar. But at the end of the day, the strongest aspect of the Forest Riders is you... Is your is your is Far Strider himself, Sanson, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, you can go in there and and pepper your foes down and then charge, and generally that's how they used to be played. But nowadays, you just make your bird, your Star Falcon, super strong because it has four range. It does what one damage, but then you can give him concealed weapon, fighter's ferocity, even glory seeker, and it's doing incredible amounts of damage even one-shotting four health fighters if you're rolling the right number of dice which i think is really interesting um so again it's another warband that relies heavily on their leader in this current meta but uh you know it's really interesting like there's a relic variant of the deck that does really well too Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah i think um michael carlin faced that in one of his uh rounds of the event you were at and I haven't tried that, but it does seem interesting. Um, I guess if you get Far Strider re-rolling all of his attack dice um, and defense dice, which I think is what the relics let you do, um, I mean that does sound pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and I think at one point if you get enough onto him, you can like draw a card every time you activate him. Right when you get. Um, when you get two, you can reroll the defense dice. Three, you can reroll the attack dice, which is, I mean, you're almost guaranteed to get a crit at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then four, you can, every time you do an action, you draw two power cards. And then at six, you can, every time you do it, you can do an action to gain four glory. That's what it is. Um, That's insane. That's crazy. It does seem good. I'm just not sure how they get there. I'd like to see that deck because I'm not sure exactly how they get all the glory to start off with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he mentioned that they were um, they were using the cards that want you to be outnumbered. Um, oh yeah, that's interesting. So if you well, that's kill the thing two is you, them, you kill then, your you kill your own fighters yeah. via lethal hexes, and then Forest Rider just scores this crazy amount of glory. Maybe yeah, yeah. or maybe just charge them in and kill stuff. But yeah. the way I've been playing them has just sort of been like a control aggro. Um, I guess it is aggro, but it has a lot of cards that I could score at once, like change of tactics, cover ground, calculated risk. And then if I'm charging with that, I can get maybe death from afar or strong start. Um, but I mean, I've added branching fate, calculated risk, death from afar, versatile fighter, standard shoot, and duelist speed, all from the new release. So it's almost like a new warband at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the newer cards definitely gave them a lot of life, and I mean, yeah. I, I've been wanting to revisit them again because they were my favorite warband uh, just during Shadespire. But uh, and they're another one I think that um, can teach you a lot about the game because if you play too aggressive in certain matchups, you'll just die. If you stay back too much in other matchups, they'll outscore you. Um, so. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend giving them a try. Um, well, I think I, you I should try all the warbands, but yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun too with the new cards. Yeah, and, and if you're against them, 
I would be careful because like they have a lot of mobility. They have a lot of tricks with different ploys. And <clears throat> once they, and you, a lot of the time, even killing them, you're only going to get three glory from the kills. And this goes for all Stormcast. But most of the games that I've played are pretty low scoring. I think so far, just in the last week or so, since the new stuff has come out, um, I, I do have a winning record. I'm doing pretty well with them. Um, yeah, I definitely think the far striders more often than not are the beatdown. Yeah. So if you can out beat down them, if they, if that's even a term, like confining <laughs> them to their their side of the board is important because then they can't inspire effectively. If you take out far strider, it's a lot easier. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think if you're playing them, don't fall into the trap of feeling like you have to go into their territory and inspire. A lot of the time it can be better to stay back and just not inspire and then just focus on scoring your glory and stopping them from scoring their glory. And I think almost more than any other faction um, with far striders, it really helps if you know how the other factions work because you have to stop them from doing what they want to do. And but you have the tools to do that. Like if you want to kill any one fighter, a lot of the time you can do that with trap, raptor strike, pit trap, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So now we're moving into the Night Vault, which is the most recent expansion or season, if you will. Um, and we have two really strong warbands that come off in the starter set. Um, I guess we'll start with Curse Breakers. If we're going in order of warbands, Jonathan, what do you think of the Curse Breakers? <laughs> well, I think they're good. Newsflash. <laughs> um, I think they're probably the best and probably the easiest to play of the warbands, if, if I had to pick one. Yeah, I definitely think they're very good. Um, even at Warhammer Fest, a lot of the guys were like, yeah, I, I mean, I took Curse Breakers just because they have the best chance of winning. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that's why you took them to Adepticon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean, they definitely, I really like them, for sure. Yeah. But they're just good. I mean, I'm not even going to deny that. Like, they're a great (laughs) warband. You should, if you want to play competitively, I think taking them is a great idea. It's it's certainly not a bad one. um, Because they're just, pound for pound, fantastic fighters. They inspire so easily. And there's a lot of ways to score a lot of glory, aggressively or passively. Yeah, and I think even if you aren't playing them, you absolutely need to know how they work. And you have to have a plan for fighting them. Because I think they're one of the most popular warbands. And uh, they're they're just very good at kind of everything. Well, yeah, that too, and like, there's just so many ways you can play them, right? So you can you yeah. can run this aggro variant where you're just running in and you're just relying on your superior characteristics as well as like burn magic to eliminate enemy fighters. You can run like a hybrid list, which I like to do, where you like score like Harness the Storm and some couple other cards, and then mm-hmm. you like capitalize on a lot of score immediates, so you're getting lots of glory for every elimination and then Mm. now there's this newest build where you just sit back and you just score a crap ton of glory for just casting spells and you can even do this really there's another variant of that deck 
where you can run like Shard Gale and then like Cry of Thunder plus Tempest Might and like nuke half a half the enemy's warband. Um, yeah, which is, which is scary. And I've heard people talk about wanting to try like a passive magic plus the tomes as well. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so you just sit there and cast a bunch of spells. And then you put the tomes on, and you get that glory for the acolyte of the cataphrans too. Yeah, that's, so, that's it's scary. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a very they're a very strong warband. I think, I think both the night vault starter warbands are strong, but in this yeah. particular matchup, because every single one of them is a wizard, mm-hmm. and because night vault introduced magic into the underworld scene, and has a lot of cards associated with it. I mean, even if Stormsire goes down, like Rastus and Amos have a 50-50 to get off a Spear of Akshi or an Unmaking or a Withering, and there's so many innate channels in the game now mm-hmm. that you can just insta-cast it. That's true. Yeah, although I think you still absolutely want to try to kill Stormsire right away. Uh, depending on the matchup, I guess. There might be somewhere. Yeah. Maybe you care more about Amos. She's pretty terrifying. Um, but a lot of the time, Stormstire is going to be the one. And if you can tell that they're trying to cast a bunch of spells, I think it's definitely going to be him. But Oh, yeah. He has, he has two. I mean, you could even run like Arcane Savant or Well of Power. Oh, yeah. That's what happened in the final. I took out Stormsire in both games fairly quickly. But, you know, <laughs> Well of Power on Rastus, and that's all you need, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Then he's... Basically, Curse of Breaker, Stormsire again. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and Arcane Savant would do the same thing. That would be crazy if you had all three of them at level two. That's, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a scary prospect. Yeah. So, yeah, they're really good. If you're going to play against them, try to take out Stormsire quickly. And then... Generally, I would rush them as quickly as possible, I think. Yeah, just be careful. Um, yeah. because they're just really good statistic-wise. And, yeah, it, it might take you the first phase to get there, but they already be inspired and probably have an upgrade each. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next <laughs> mm-hmm. is the Thorns of the Briar Queen. Um, these these are actually probably my favorite faction play. Um, they The way I look at them is it's kind of like you're combining Skaven and Skeletons, but you can't resurrect um, because the Queen is basically Scritch um, without Cleave. She goes for three damage and she moves around really good. It has that two range. Um, so the way I like to play them is my objective deck will be focused on holding objectives and a bunch of score immediately. And then I just kind of go in with the Queen and just kill things. And by the time you've handled the queen, I've probably scored a bunch of stuff. And that's generally worked for me. Yeah, I think that's the optimal way to play them, quite frankly, is Varklav and the Chain Wraps, you know, capture objectives, where the queen and the Everhanged harass or even eliminate enemies. I mean, you know, (coughs) my my most recent game was against Dean. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I... It's an important game because I, I, I remember it quite vividly. But, I mean, that's kind of what he did. And then, you know, you either rely on, on keys 
or yeah, or tomes. You can even take a relic deck. I think they're the best faction to take for relics as well. And, yeah, uh, I think you might be right. There's a lot of ways to, to do well with them. I think if you really want to hinder the thorns quickly, you take out Varclav and the Everhanged. And then, yeah, the, the Briar Queen is still there. But, like, I like to have a kill order. It's like, when I'm like, especially if you have a lot of blocking fighters, you take out the Everhang first. And then after that, like, you know, level two is either, or like number two on the list is either the Briar Queen or Varclav, whichever one you can get first. It's usually yeah. going to be the Briar Queen because she's probably going to be in your grill, one shotting you, or at least one of your fighters. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, they're just mobility and their ability to capture objectives is so strong and consistent that, uh, and they have some great faction cards as well, like Maddening Cackle, I think, like score, mm-hmm. like get one glory for playing a reaction. That's nuts. Yeah, sudden appearance is really good. Yeah. Um, so I think they're the only faction that can't use calculated risk. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Those, those poor, poor ghosts. <laughs> but I think playing as them, and I guess against them as well, is a good way to get used to objective warbands. Like, I think there's a reason they're in the starter set. Um, so I definitely like them for that. And then, yeah, like you said, if you're against them, you just have to set that kill order. Um, and I think they lead into the next faction we're going to talk about, which is the Gits. Zarbag's Gits. I really like the Gits. Yeah, I'm a pretty big fan too. They're the last four band that I um, won a local tournament with, um, and I've spent so I probably spent the most time on them recently. Although I've recently switched to other war bands. I think I think they're truly perhaps one of the most balanced war bands in the game. I think they can do a lot of cool things. But I also think that's their weakness, is that there's just so many ways in which you can take the warband that it sometimes feels a little um, a little all over the place. But again, it's goblins, so it like fits very well in the theme. But like Drizkit, his two squigs, and Snurk's Sour Tongue, which is the fanatic, are absolutely terrifying, especially when they're all inspired. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I usually run them with weapons so that I can make any of the other ones scary too if I need to. Um, I think they're a great warband. I think if you're playing against them, um, what is actually a little counterintuitive is try to kill the goblins, not the um, not the herder, not Drizgit, but the uh, just the normal ones. And if you can kill the leader... Kill the leader, obviously. That's like a theme today. Kill the leader. Truly uh, is. <laughs> but um, because a lot of their objectives have to do with positioning, and a lot of the time they'll run supremacy and our only way out and uh, mad scurry. And so if you can separate them or kill goblins that are next to other goblins and just stop them, just start taking them apart that way, no one individual fighter is really that scary except Snark. And the the uh, the squigs are pretty scary once they get inspired, but if you just don't kill Drisket, they're not that bad. 
Yeah, so what I tend to do is I just focus the squigs first. Yeah, I think because, that's a good idea, too. And then what I'll do is then I'll try to like pick off any goblins I can for early glory. Mm-hmm. But um, once they get inspired, which is fairly easy, they get two dodge, which makes them significantly harder to take right. out. Um, and then bar a bad roll from Snurk, he's pretty tough to take out as well. Yeah, and you'd really have to be careful of Snurk hidden paths or um, shadowed step into you. Um, I think I did the math, and if he's next to you, um, because he can just keep hitting you, it's like a 65% chance that he'll just be able to do three damage to you by knocking you along his path, as long as there's like nothing blocking you. Um, the one counter I know of to that, other than like a sidestep or a distraction to put a little bit of distance, is mirror move, because you can actually react to him knocking your fighter or pushing your fighter one hex the first time he bumps into you, and you can push him back, and per the FAQ, it just stops his whole action. So if you are running into a lot of gits, I would probably bring mirror move, which is just in general like a really good card. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's good. And don't forget that you can choose where you push the enemy fighter. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely line up your 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 path to be devastating. Maximum efficiency. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's terrifying. If you can get like Tome of Offerings on him or something and get him in the middle of something, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. <laughs> I think the most common deck that you'll see though nowadays is uh the Tome deck. Yeah. But um even then, an objective goblins deck is still pretty strong. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time people will combine the two, or they'll take a lot of the objectives and try to kill something with Snark for Obliterated and use that glory to stack a bunch of tomes and then get that finisher with the Acolyte of the Cataphrains. Right. So I don't like attacking Snark because a lot of the time it puts you in a bad situation, but if you have a lot of dice... Um, you know, maybe you have Haymaker or something and you have the ability to try. I know I've failed more three defense dice rolls than I'd like than I would have thought possible. <laughs> so sometimes it can be worth going for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you have more dice or you're you know, you're more accurate, like three hammers against three dodge will still go through more than it doesn't. Right. So and if he dies early, especially before you get obliterated, that's really annoying. Yeah, they're they're good. Um, so moving on, we got Eyes of the Nine. Yeah, and they're one that I'm not even really sure I know how to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so I guess for me, they're just like a really interesting warband in the fact that they have two really strong fighters, a really mm-hmm. cool mechanic, and then two terrible fighters so i think the way you run them is more of like a control slash objective based warband i think if you want to look for a really good deck you can look at john reese's from can you roll a crit it has some really cool um manipulation of 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 objectives so you can take shifting shards you can move it so if you place it next to a starting hex and then you play that card you can move your objective onto a starting hex and then you can summon the blue horror onto the objective, which is mm-hmm. pretty easy when you're trying to score objective-based cards or tactical supremacy. Um, 
there is a tome deck that you can stack mm-hmm. on the blue horror, though I don't find it quite effective. Uh, there's I... also this new deck that just, uh, I guess, was created where you just take 10 spells. You take 10 gambit spells. And you take mm-hmm. the objective where you, you know, like, fighting honestly or whatever, where you don't take any, where you don't play any gambits. Or ploys, excuse me. Because, like, yeah. a gambit spell is not a ploy. Right? Right, right. So then you That's just... You just spam a whole bunch of magic, and then you score, like, Magical Storm and then Magical Mastery. Yeah, and that could probably you, work, because you yeah. have his attack. And he has the attack upgrade that um, hits on the channels, mm-hmm. um, which is extremely accurate, because there's three channels on the magic dice. Well, so, two and a crit, right? Uh, no, it's three channels, two focus, and a crit. Oh, okay. Well, so there's actually a four uh, or a three up. Looks sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, so I mean, they're very accurate with that, and you can even put an eight channels on top of that. So I can see that build working, where you're just trying to cast a bunch of spells. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think I still think it's difficult because like you're you're giving yeah. up at least two glory every game. Because Turash and Narvia just strong wind blows by and they just die. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Kacharik is really interesting, but he just he just has three wounds. So you pretty much you kill somebody or you wound someone pretty heavily and then you die. So just Vortimus and his blue horror. And so again, you know, yeah. theme kill Vortimus, you pretty much win the game, no matter what build they're running. And if you cannot, then abuse the weaker or take advantage of the fact that they have weaker fighters and farm them. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, I think that's pretty much what you have to do. But you, you also shouldn't underestimate Boromus because except that he's on, um, he's a little bit harder to inspire and he has dodges, but he's basically Stormsire from Cursebreakers. Like, his attack is really good. Goes to two damage. He can boost it to three. Take glory seeker to get it to four. Um, he's just as scary, like offensively. And interestingly, he's on dodge, so you can use last chance. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I think if you're playing with them, I think you absolutely take as many tricks as you can to keep him alive, like hidden yeah. paths, and um, they have a teleport spell where you swap two fighters within like three or four hexes. Um, they have the other teleport where you can just put yourself on a starting hex or an objective. Um, so I think that could work. They're another one where it's just like you should be ready for a challenge if you want to play them. And honestly, if you see somebody else playing them, you might want to like really pay attention because they're either really good or <laughs> like you know they're just trying it out for fun. Yeah. But Most I mean, you had that experience with Tony Field at Adepticon. <laughs> well, granted, granted, it was Tony, so I knew he was a good yeah. player, right? But yeah, um, yeah. Let's just say that if anyone's playing <laughs> Eyes of the Nine, they probably, especially in a competitive event, they probably have some tricks up their sleeve that you're not the wise to. So get mm-hmm. wise quick. Um, hopefully, it's a best two out of three format. So if they do take a game <laughs> from you, you won't fall for the same tricks again. Yeah, it does seem like almost every large event that goes by, there's always like one undefeated or like four and one 
uh, or th- four, three and one eyes player. And I can only assume they're just a really good player and nobody was really ready for it. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, as I was saying earlier, like, you know, Giblin lost a game to an oh, yeah. eyes player, right? So. And he was um, playing Curse Breakers. <laughs> yeah. Giblin's right? a really good player. He's playing yeah. one of the strongest decks. But that's what eyes players will do to you. They'll just. They'll just mess with your eyes, man. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. Well, next, I think, is Moloch. Everybody's oof. favorite troll. Oof, oof, oof. <laughs> is that what you that how you feel about him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, he's just like, he's very good, obviously. Yeah. He's just a very strong fighter. And nowadays, there's so many upgrades that you can stick on him to manipulate, you know, pushes. That, you know, so his biggest weakness is that he's not accurate and that he's susceptible to, like, being pushed a little bit. But if mm-hmm. you take, like, you take light-footed, and then now no matter what's going on, whether your opponent wants to push you or not, you can just move Molog up. So then mm-hmm. Molog just becomes this, like, unstoppable, it's like that guy from Resident Evil, like everyone freaks out of when that they come across the zombie guy you know what i'm talking about yeah like yeah. he just he just comes in and then you're like oh crap honestly molog is a meta defining yeah warband if you I... don't sorry no you're good if you if you don't prepare for him you lose right i think more than anyone else like he's the one warband that you absolutely have to have a plan for like maybe even more than curse breakers like if Agreed. you don't have a way to, like, I almost feel like you can't sit there and weather his storm. Like, you almost have to try to kill him. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think, sorry. No, no, it's true. You're right. You have to. Either that or you ignore him and you kill the squigs. Right. And I think his release has pushed everybody, because everyone has to be prepared to kill him, Everybody is more aggro now than they were before the release, and the factions that can't, like skeletons, have like really taken a hit. Yeah. If I'm ever playing Molog and I line up against a skeletons player, I know I'm going to have a great game. Yeah. Every time they bring somebody back, you're like, oh, more glory. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's honestly dirty. Yeah. Is it fair? Probably not, but... <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't really enjoy playing him unless I know I'm against like a really good player that's ready for it, and we go into it like almost as Molog practice. Yeah, uh, I mean, interestingly enough, though, you're gonna see him more because he's yeah. he takes down curse breakers. That magic build. Like, yeah, I think he you does. get an inspired Molog in quick, he takes him out. Yep. Yeah, and he has the the movement for it. I mean, between hidden pads, spectral wings, commanding stride, and then just him being able to move twice. Like, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wish he was a little bit less, like, oppressive on the meta. But it is a it is an interesting mind game, like, trying to beat him. Yeah. I mean, I think he also has access to, like, my turn yeah. aggressive defense. So it's, like, it, it's, it's almost very, it's, like, ch- fun in a challenging way. When you like beat a Moloch and you outplay him, and you know that like he's running these cards, and that you are able to get around it, 
But I think either way, more often than not, Molog creates a pretty negative player experience. So if you are the Molog player and you just like whiff your rolls, you're having a bad day. Or a rebound goes off. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Or if you're playing against Molog and he's just hitting everything. Like it's yeah. just like you can't do it. Because then he anything. gets upgraded and you feel like you can't do anything. You can't though. Like, especially if you're playing a high model count warband. Like I took Molog to an event just because I wanted to get a win with him um, and then retire him permanently. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I did the same I, thing. I played two goblin players back to back and it was just oh, it was no. like run in and just smack, do a whirl every once in a while. And that's it. Like, and they they can do damage to you, and that's cool. But you have seven wounds, and you probably buffed him to have eight, if not nine. Yeah, I think if you're going against him, you have to basically know which of the three like plans you need to have: either killing him as soon as possible, killing the squigs and ignoring him, or, and I think this is kind of an edge case, outscore him even though he's going to kill you a lot. Which mm-hmm. I think maybe only goblins can do, because they do tend to score a ton. And even then, you probably have to kill those squigs to do that. Yeah, it's most certainly an interesting matchup. Yeah, and uh, I'm not really sure on the, the the goblin player what exactly he should do. But at the end of the day, like Molog's very good, and yeah, if you want to beat Molog, you either kill him quick or you kill the squigs. Yeah, I, I had some success with Snark damaging him without, you know, an opportunity to my turn or um, aggressive defense and then just throwing goblins at him until he dies. And then hopefully you have enough guys left to score a lot. And goblins do score a lot. So mm-hmm. It can work. Yeah. But, Let's move on to Godsworn. Yeah. Um, they're interesting because basically they're all terrible before they're inspired which is really funny. <laughs> but once you give them one upgrade, especially if it's an offensive upgrade, like mo- like someone that they have can one-shot almost any fighter you have, unless it's Molot, which is really cool. Yeah, I think they're a really good counter to Stormsires and his Curse Breakers as well, um, because they're yeah. so aggressive, they're so fast, you can get in your opponent's grill very quickly, and as long as you know you get some pretty decent rolls, you're eliminating fighters. Yeah, I also think they got a pretty big boost from the new cards, um, particularly Branching Fate and Calculated Risk, and then Sphere of Action is probably the only spell I would take in them because I don't think you can really rely on Fedra surviving very long. Mm-hmm. And especially if once they know you have spells, like they're just gonna kill it. Um, but Syrav actually is just that great, and I've thought about trying to do um, Withering as well. So, but they just have a lot of damage, and you really have to be careful of, like, you really have to know which ones are gonna be scary when they get upgraded, um, because it's kind of like a toolbox where depending on the matchup, a different fighter will be the really scary one. Like, if you're playing Stormcast or somebody with four health, Thedra and Grundon are, like, absolutely terrifying because they can do four damage with just one upgrade. Um, and then also Shond because he gets Cleave and maybe he'll have Concealed Weapon or something like that. Um, but if you're playing, 
like a smaller health war band like ghosts or something like that it might be allo um that's really the scary one usually allo and sean because once allo gets like fighter's ferocity and starts critting you because a lot of the time you'll they'll have extra dice like path to glory or um, something like that like any of these guys just offensively have the same or better offensive stats than like a lot of Stormcasts do. Right. Like, Allo Inspired is better than most Far Striders. Range Attack, because he has Cleave. The Grundon and Thedra are, they basically have the uh, same attacks as the Stormcast, um, the Steelhearts. And I mean, the Javelin is a two damage, three sword attack, which I think is the best uh, uninspired ranged attack in the game. I mean, yeah, one, off a charge. Use, yeah. But I mean, it's it's crazy. Like everything they have is really really good. Um, the downside is they're just made of paper. <laughs> yeah, I think they truly, you know, define glass cannon. Yeah. You know, so they'll get in your face and they'll do a lot of damage, but you know, again, a fairly strong breeze will kill most of them. Um, another probably weakness is Grawl. You know, like, I know that a lot of people, he gets a lot of hate. Um, I don't think he's that bad, but, you know, again, like, he's not doing much, and he can't even hold an objective. So mostly, I think if you're going to run Godsworn, you're going to run an aggressive deck. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to put in a lot of accuracy buffs and damage buffs and then damage or weapon upgrades, and then you're just going to either... Draw till you get the right cards and then play a little bit more and then teleport in or run in. You don't even need to teleport because you're so fast. Mm-hmm. Or you're just going to start aggro off the bat. And I think either way is pretty effective. I think if you're going to play Godsworn, um, you're in for, I think, a rough learning curve. But I think it'll be very satisfying once you get them down. Yeah, I would also mention that I think they're one of the most enjoyable warbands to play. Like They're just fun. Like they're so explosive um, that I always have a great time when I'm playing. Absolutely. <clears throat> cool. uh, so now we got Iltharis, or no? Let's do yeah, Iltharis Guardians. What do you think? Um, I've played these a couple times. Um, I played against them a few times as well. Um, I'm a pretty big fan. I think that they are, uh, in some ways, a more balanced version of Curse Breakers. <laughs> um. Four fighters is actually usually worse than having three because you can give them more glory and the stats are spread around a little bit better. But um, they still have all the tools that you need to like kill stuff. And um, their wizard is really good, although she doesn't have the plus one damage buff like the eyes and first breakers do. Um, but they have some excellent spells in their faction too. They have a, uh, a one focus spell that does one damage at five range, and then they have the uh, pings of the Great Lack, I think, where it reduces your dice. Um, and it's kind of hard to cast because it's two channel. But man, if that goes off on like Farstrider or Mala or something like that, and they lose a dice, that just sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think pings of the Great Lack is actually the damage card. But, oh, uh, I might have an opposite. Yeah. yeah, but no, you're right. They're they're really good. I think they they do feel a bit curse breakery, 
I think they really got into that matchup. But uh Curse of the Dwindling is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good card yeah. too. So I really like them. I think they're all really good at what they're designed to do. Um Onslain, which is the archer, probably seems the weakest. But if you can I guess time her reaction it's pretty neat. Um I don't really know I think it requires too much setup though. I think the Warband truly revolves around Galangan and Ilthari. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, you definitely take Warding Stance with Galagan, so he has three defense. And even if the opponent has Cleave, you still have three dice to roll on defense, which is insane. Um, more importantly, to crit with. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think that's really cool is that there's a lot of really neat reactions that happen in the Warband, which can stop your opponent's reactions um, from taking place. So... You know, I think this Correct. is a great warband to learn, you know, reaction order. But also, um, you know, most builds revolve around buffing up Ilthari and making her do some crazy things. Um, so if you're going to play against the warband, I think focus on either eliminating, you know, some of the weaker fighters like Onslain or Scathale. Even then, Scathale is pretty scary. Yeah. But uh, if you kill Ilthari, I think you pretty much win the game. Um, in the most popular and successful build at the moment. I'm sure there will be other builds since they're so new. But what I found, and what John was telling me too, John Reese, that in the UK meta, it generally revolves around if you eliminate Althari, you pretty much win. Yeah, I agree. Um, because she's usually one of the ones that they're going to get inspired. Um, I find that it's usually her, and maybe they'll get... Gallandrel, or Galligan, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, they'll get one of the, those two inspired, and then um, like she can do a lot of damage, and he's a monster. So I'd say that one of their weaknesses is they do kind of have a weird healing uh, inspiration uh, mechanic where you probably don't heal more than two, maybe three of them um, mm -hmm. the whole game. Um I'm honestly not sure if it's worth it to take like healing upgrades or anything. I think you just basically plan to inspire her and um, and then probably Gallon gone and just call it a day. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Because like Ilthari and Galligan both have two cards that pretty much inspire them. So you take Healing Amphora which pretty much reads as inspire Galligan or inspire anyone near him because you yeah. heal or you remove a wound off either one of those fighters. And then like leech power for Ilthari, you destroy an objective and you inspire her. But the thing is, is that she's already so easy to inspire because you just mm -hmm. have to roll a crit with a spell, which naturally happens over the course of the game. But I think at the end of the day, you have to take Healing Amphora, Leech Power, and Healing Potion, maybe? So that you can kind of give you some variance on what you're trying to inspire, or whom, or at what time. But I think you're right. The Inspire condition is hard. So mm -hmm. more often than not, Anslain will probably never be inspired. And very rarely will Scathael be inspired. Because you really want Ilthari to get buffed. Right. And once she's up there, then, you know, 
that's when you start scoring all your objectives or burning the enemy down, which via pangs of the great, you know, the great lack and spear of Akshi, like if you charge her in or you just hit for two damage and then you follow up with both of those, you just took down a fight, like, you know, an enemy fighter or for, like a storm cast for health. Um, right. So. Yeah. I think, I think, um, leech power is really good. If, if you take that, I think I would also take the, um, Unmaking with Scorched Earth. Yeah, I think I would take Scorched Earth. I think I would. I think that's how you would play them if you want to do like a control. validation. <laughs> you were before that. You were uh, ahead of the curve. Yeah. I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> Just the wrong warband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're good. Um, it's interesting. I'm looking at the um, fourth place deck from the grand class you were at, and he actually didn't take. Um, leech power. He took Enfora and Healing Potion and then just went pure aggro with actually unmaking. Um, actually didn't take um, Withering, which is interesting because I guess it's probably better not to rely on... He probably thought it was better not to rely on her too much. Um, but took Lethal Ward and Encroaching Shadow um, as extra damage. I think these yeah. guys are kind of like Far Striders in a lot of ways, where you have the mobility and the ping damage to sort of be where you need to be to stop the other person from doing what they're trying to do. Yeah, most certainly. And I'm, I'm actually really interested to see if he even tried to line up a couple, you know, shots with Anslane as well via those damage-inducing cards as well. So The nice thing about them is that Anslane, although I feel like she's not usually that useful, um, in a pinch, she can also use a lot of the upgrades that you want to take for Yothari anyway, like um, Archer's Focus and... Mm-hmm. Uh, glory seeker and so i could see a situation where maybe you're playing against like far striders or something and like yildari or gallon gone did two damage to one of them and then you equip her with those upgrades charge in and double kill um maybe with ready for action or something that's dirty uh, i think I mean, that's it could definitely happen is redundancy with the warband right is that mm-hmm. you know galligan and scaffale are very similar in what they do um at right. least in terms of the upgrades they can take. So yeah, you're right. Even if Ilthari does go down early, your upgrades aren't wasted because you can put them on Onslaught should you feel the need to. Yeah, That's a good point. so I like that about them, for sure. All right, well, last the last one we have to talk about is... But certainly not the least. Well, they are pretty short. That doesn't mean they're, they're the least. True. <laughs> um, is the Profiteer... I love this warband. Yeah. Uh, I think really cool. they're really good. I actually haven't played them at all yet because I just hadn't put a deck together. Um, but I've played against them quite a bit, um, both with the Guardians and Far Striders and Godsworn, which is what I've been playing recently. And man, they're just great. <laughs> yeah. they. So I think, number one, in, in, in a game of Underworld, I think ranged fighters or fighters with ranged abilities are already strong yeah because you have such limited amount of of movement with hexes and and it's very like clear cut on what a fighter can or cannot do at least in terms of threat ranges Mm -hmm. and 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 range fighters kind of turn that on its head a little bit and that cool i'll move three but i'll also hit you from three hexes away right and this warband every single fighter has a range three attack Granted, two of them are 
very poor. Two fury, one damage. But at the end of the... I mean, actually, that's just Olo, so that's not even that bad. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, the, the strength behind this warband is the fact that you can inspire them all very quickly mm-hmm. and then go to town. You're not an aggro deck. At least the build that I play and that I find to be what's probably going to be the most popular way to play them is you just take a whole bunch of instant scores, more than half your deck at the least, yeah, and then you just take your shots, they'll line up, and then everyone's inspired, and then you finish them off with Kazgon or Bjorgen or Lunt, and I think they're really they're really good. I really like them, and I think they remind me of the Farstriders when they first came into Shadespire, and I think it's very fitting that another ranged warband has kind of entered the mix towards the end of Night Vault, and honestly, like, checks all my Farstrider love, but also gives me this new component that I can play with, because they, they do have some clear-cut weaknesses, right? They're slow. Mm-hmm. They're generally weaker until they inspire, whether that's wounds or uh, damage output, and uh, they're heavily reliant on their leader. So if you can kill Thundric very quickly, then you are pretty much fighting a warband that's only fighting at 50% of efficiency, which is generally a good thing, because then you'll beat them. So, Right. Yeah, if, you, if he dies early, then you're in big trouble, because... I mean, the the thing that I think stands out to me the most about them is the way that they inspire is so powerful because gaining that extra health and deciding who gets to do it um, allow like it really takes you out of kill range like a lot. Um, you know, like a lot of the time you'll be able to look at the enemy fighter and say, okay, he can do three damage to me, and maybe he'll have a way to boost that by one. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and in some matchups where you'd normally be afraid of your three or two health fighters dying, you can just inspire them and get them out of danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the time you can inspire two or three at a time if you get headshot and, you know, the get defense or what armor. Or death from afar. Death from afar, change of tactics. Like, they're so good. And Yeah, they're very strong. I definitely think people haven't realized how good they are, at, at least as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, and and like you know, you mentioned that the Far Striders are like a scalpel. Mm-hmm. Um, Thunder's Profiteers are kind of like a toolbox. Um, mm-hmm. You essentially, through your inspire mechanic, you inspire the guy, the right guy for the right job. So yeah. at any point in the game, if you're like, oh crap, there's a whole bunch of like you know blocking fighters in my face cool i'm inspiring bjorgen and lund and i'm going to shoot you off the table yeah you know or it's like oh it's really hard to get through that defense great i'm going to inspire iron hail give him challenge seeker now he's rolling five fury good luck or you know i'll go i mean i could go on and on but (laughs) your thought yeah it can be hard for sure to beat them um because I've played, I think, maybe 10 games against them so far with the various factions, which the three of those factions is a pretty good spread, I think. But what I've found is you kind of have to take them apart 
with their them being a toolbox in mind. Like if you can kill Iron Hail, then a lot of the time that reduces the chance of them getting headshot because he rolls a lot of dice, so he crits a lot. Um, it also reduces their chance of getting get the hands. Yeah, he's the, he's their only way of getting get the hands actually. Yeah, unless you have an upgrade like War Cry or something, like that's it. So if you can kill him first, like sometimes that just reduces the number of inspires they're gonna get on that first turn. Um, yeah. And then what I've what, another thing I've realized is if you can kill Thundric, then obviously you should. But if you can't and you have like a choice, go for Lund, because he's actually just as scary as mm-hmm. Thundric is. They basically have the same attack profile, but he's way easier to kill because he only has one defense dice and four damage. Four wounds. Or four wounds, yeah. yeah. Um, Drax Skewer, I thought, was going to be like the really scary one. And he is good, but I'm not like as afraid of him as I thought I would be. Yeah, so he's an interesting one, right? So yeah, you can play him if you put great strength in your deck. Uh, he can easily be hitting at four damage. Um, mm-hmm. he is, he's kind of like a mini Molog where, you know, he's doing three damage inspired and he has a range of two, mm-hmm. but like, he's definitely a deterrent. So like, you don't, you don't charge in unless you like see a very easy way to, to take someone out. You kind of have him as your counter charge force. So what I like to say, what I like to say is like, I'm having him waiting in the wings, you know? Like, he's mm-hmm. there, he's ready. If you get too close, you know, Thundric will get you. I mean, not Thundric, Kazgon will get you. But um, yeah. if you also think you're safe, you're not. Because I have a threat range of six. Which, from yeah. a dwarf, is huge. That is a good point. I, I don't. I agree. I don't think I would go in with him first. I think I would keep him in the back and then counterpunch. Yeah. It's interesting though. I don't know if you, do you think you would take great strength in this warband? I didn't. Okay. But I know yeah. that it is a common technique yeah. that you would take, right? So cuz it put him up to strength 4 and right. He's one-shotting Stormcast. I mean, you definitely take Glory Seeker. Yes. But that's one of I, the interesting things about them in general is they don't have like the highest damage especially before they inspire. Um, it's another thing I noticed fighting against them is yeah. if you can kill the ones that are inspired or quickly kill the ones before they inspire, that can help take them apart as well. And yeah, I think the thing I like about them is they are absolutely strong, but I, in all my games against them, it's been a very good experience playing against them. Like, I don't feel like they're too oppressive. Like, I don't feel like they're too powerful or that I don't have options um so i've really enjoyed playing against them and i can't wait to try them for real yeah i think that's that's the hallmark sign of a good warband is that they're fun to play against and play with um again their greatest strength is that the fact that and weakness is that promotion mechanic right you know if you you rack up promotions whole warbands inspired you got a bunch of glory you're upgrading your fighters they're doing some crazy damage uh, or at least hitting pretty accurately. Mm-hmm. But Thunder goes down. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, I've, I've definitely won games where I've lost Thundric in like the first phase without scoring anything. 
but it's a lot harder. And mm-hmm. so my advice, if you're playing against Thundrix Profiteers, is give them less targets. Um, if your opponent has already scored what armor, but they haven't scored get the hence, go for Iron Hail. So they mm-hmm. can't score get the hence. Um, yeah. If you can get to Bjorg and get to him, um, but that's really it. It's it's honestly you have to either deny them glory or just kill them outright. And that's I another that, good point. They yeah. they do um, have difficulty scoring glory without you being there. Um, yeah. A lot of the score immediately is are based on attacking. So. If you can stall a little bit and then decide when you go in, maybe on the last activation of the round, mm-hmm. um, and you can score a bunch and they don't score anything, and then you can go into round two um, in that yeah. position, then that can be really good. I've done that yeah. a couple times. Yeah, keep in mind that there are ways of like, like the profiteers will take passive glory. Oh, yeah. But the, the yeah, you're absolutely correct, right? Like, the whole concept or, is is spam is spam instant scores, so. Yeah, a lot of the easy ones are like headshot, what armor, get the heads. Uh, obviously, calculated risk is just amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, they're they're good. So yeah, they're good warband. All right, well that wraps up our summary of the meta. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, that is going to be it for this episode. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, please let us know on Facebook on the Path to Glory podcast page. Um, You can also rate us on iTunes and follow us on Podbean at pathtogloryunderworlds.podbean.com. That's also where we post the show notes, where we include any articles that we might have mentioned or um, links to decks, that kind of thing. Thanks for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. Nice.